Well, my family just got back from a week of vacation in the Boundary Waters, and we had a fantastic time. It was great to get away from all of the noise. You know, we didn't have access to a cell phone signal, so we couldn't get our text messages, we couldn't get our emails, there were no meetings. It was fantastic. And it was fun to watch our kids, uh, three kids, do some things that they had never done before. Start some fires, you know, portage these huge backpacks of gear. Uh, just really uh, a fun week for us. So I said this morning I'm in a bit of a vacation brain mode, so uh, hopefully we'll have some fun today. But we're going to start off uh, this morning with a little thing we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to touch on some evangelical covenant distinctives. So this week, we're just going to talk briefly about center set theology. So there's bounded set and centered set. Bounded is this idea of where there are rigid lines of what we believe. And you're either in the boundary because you believe the right things, or you're out because you don't. And there are many places where people think this way. And in order to be a part of you know, this particular church or religion, you have to believe the certain things and you have to know the specific things. In the evangelical covenant church, we live in a centered set reality. You can think of it like an oasis. Or you can think of it in terms of, for the bounded set, you know, a rancher can put up these fences to keep the cattle in or they can put a water hole at the center of their ranch. And the, the cattle will always come back to the water. And so our center here at Crossview Covenant and in the Evangelical Covenant Church is Jesus. And there's a lot of space for us to, to believe different things, but we come to Jesus at the center. Uh, so that's an Evangelical Covenant distinctive uh, that we want to share. And we'll be doing some more of those over the next uh, several weeks here as we move forward. But today, we're continuing our series that we've been in Less Pressure and More Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And before we left on vacation, I got this letter in the mail from my health insurance company. Have you received one of these? Where they encouraged me to gather wellness points. And it had a whole you know, list of requirements, and then it had a whole list of different ideas and activities that I could do to gather different point values in order to be well. And presumably, if I do these activities, it will benefit me and it will benefit my insurance company, right? So the point, of course, is that the health insurance company wants me to have a better life, a more healthy life. What I want you to think about is what are the things, what are the people, and what are the things that you're telling yourself to live a better life? What are the rules, ideas, principles maybe habits that you sort of set or other people want to set for you for you to live a better life. Well, this morning's passage, Paul is going to give us some virtues, some habits that we can live into to live a better life. And by we, we're talking about our community as well as our, us as individuals. So this, this, again, is part of our series that we're doing, Less Pressure, More Jesus. We're studying a letter written to the people, the new church, in a city called Colossae. The book is called Colossians. 
And it's written to encourage this brand new church, a group of people that have just come to know who this Jesus is in the center of their world. So Paul talks a lot about Jesus, and we've been talking a lot about Jesus. And if you haven't had a chance to listen, I encourage you to jump online and you can listen uh, to those previous messages where we really focus in and center in on Jesus. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how it's not about a set of rules, right? It's about Jesus. And then last week, Sandy helped us think about how these set of rules aren't things that we need to sort of throw off, but that we actually would sort of include because we know who Jesus is. And he gave us some vice lists, some things that you know, we struggle with. A lot of us struggle with things like sexual immorality and impurity, evil desires and lusts and greed and anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. And he encouraged us to sort of slough those off and she gave us the image of a cicada bug that sheds its sort of disgusting skin and similarly we want to shed the disgusting evil things that we have in our lives uh, both as individuals and as a community that we would work on that together so it's with that in mind that paul begins today's section with the therefore in verse 12. So follow along, it'll be on the screen, uh, as well as if you want to follow along in your own Bible. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we see this turn that's happening here in verse 12 from sort of these negative vice lists, the negative side of things that we're supposed to slough off to kind of this positive thing. And he starts off by saying, look, I know you struggle with all these things. These things are hard. But here's the reality. You are God's chosen people. You're holy and you're dearly loved and if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in this community, we already are those things. This is already a reality, that we are chosen, that we are holy, and that we are dearly loved. And that idea of being chosen is this idea that God is initiating us. God is pursuing us. It's not dependent on us. God is coming after us. And that idea of being holy is that we are set apart. We are to be God's people, to be representatives of God's kingdom here on earth. And that we are dearly loved, just as a, a good parent would love their child, God loves us. And I think, you know, one of the things that happens today is so few people realize these things. That we are chosen, that God is pursuing us, that God wants to set us apart for his purposes, and that God loves us dearly. So, Today, I want you to hear that God loves you. God cares about you. God is pursuing you. And not just you individually, God's pursuing us as a community. God's coming after us in our community and loving us. And so Paul writes to this community, having told them that these things are already true. Yes, you still have those old things, but these things are true of you. He writes to them and to encourage them 
to put on these new clothes. These, the ideas of compassion and kindness and humility. And, and you get this image of sort of taking off the old clothes and putting on the new clothes. It's a little bit like in the Boundary Waters when you want to get rid of your old stuff. And you want to put on that new stuff. And so it feels good to take a shower and to get cleaned up and to put on that, that new clothing. You know, it doesn't feel good. Those viceless, they're kind of gross feeling. You know? The anger and the malice and the evil, it just doesn't feel good. So it should feel sort of natural to put on the new clothes. These new virtues of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, these are things that should feel good to us. They're natural for us. This is the way we were designed to live. And the word there that talks about putting on that new clothes clothes has this sense of sort of sinking into. And I think, you know, whereas the gross, stinky clothes are something that you just like can't wait to get off, the idea of sinking into these new clothes has this deep sense of comfort. Like, you know, when you get to put on the most comfortable item that you have in your closet, just that sense of, oh, it just feels so good. So when we put these things on individually, we also put them on in our community. We bear with one another. We come alongside of one another. We help each other in our lives. We forgive as Jesus forgave. So I want to think about that for a moment. How did Jesus forgive? Well, when he was asked about how many times you should forgive, he said, 77 times 7. And that number 7 has this idea of perfection. But I also think that 77 times 7 is a lot. Now, I know some of you can do the math. And I did do the math because, you know, some of you are geeky like that. It is 539 times. But if you can count to 539 and then get to 540 and then stop forgiving, good luck. Seriously. I think the point is that we are supposed to continuously forgive one another. And so if we're going to forgive as the Lord forgave, we will continuously forgive again and again and again. And sometimes it's going to hurt. Well, Paul continues, and over all these things in verse 14, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. So love was a common character trait that was talked about in ancient philosophy, but it wasn't considered the main thing. People didn't talk about it as the main thing that people would do. And the word there for love has this idea of benevolence or giving or charity, this idea that you would sacrifice for someone else. And I think similarly today, we talk a lot about love. We like the idea of love. But when we're talking about love, how often, at least in my experience, is that love primarily about sort of this romantic experience? 
We're not talking about the, bene- the benevolent, charitable, sacrificial giving sort of love. And I wondered what would happen if our community were more benevolent, more giving. Well, Paul also encourages them to let the peace of Christ rule their hearts. And I love that connection between peace and ruling. Because most rulers, including the Roman Empire uh, during that time, Caesar, they accomplished peace through submission. They would take over, set the rules, and then when everybody followed their rules, well, of course there was peace. There was no conflict because they were all submitting to the rules that the ruler had set down. But Christ lives the opposite of that. Christ embodied the benevolent love, that charitable, sacrificial love that Paul was talking about. And I think I could be corrected on this, but you can check with me and let me know later. I think Jesus was the first and only person ever to rise to power by not taking it, but by serving others. I think I'm right on that. If you can think of somebody, you know, they probably are following Jesus, but Christianity is the largest movement in the world, and it's based on a sacrificial love. While we were yet sinners, when we were still enemies of Christ, Jesus died for us. And I wonder how often we're just like everybody else. We use whatever power, be it little or a lot, to create peace in our world. And I wonder, would we experience more peace if we were willing to serve others and practice a benevolent love, a sacrificial kind of love. Well, the reason Paul gives for doing all these things, beneficial love, peace, is because we are one body. He uses this body language, and let me tell you in the Boundary Waters, when you nick your hand, or when you, you know, hurt your back, the whole body hurts. And so I think it's great imagery for us to think about. When we hurt a little part, the whole body hurts. And so we want to live with peace. And I believe this is the kind of community that we want to be here at Crossview, and specifically Crossview Rosa Parks. One where people experience these virtues, compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, and patience, and above all, love. That would bring peace to our world. And Paul tells us how we can do it. Continuing in verse 16, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So never stop learning or focusing on the message of Christ. Love and forgiveness. Power under, not power over. And it's interesting that as we focus on that, we're actually all called to be teachers, to be encouragers of that message. So it's not just me, it's not just Sandy bringing that message of encouragement. 
If you follow Jesus, you get to be a teacher and encourager of that as well. It takes our whole community because sometimes I need to be reminded. I forget. And Paul tells us how to do it. We do it through all wisdom. We do it through our psalms and our hymns. Sometimes one of the best things you can do is to sing a hymn or a song, a worship song to Jesus. Recite scripture. When we do it with gratitude, it's really hard to live out those evil things that we're trying to shut off to get rid of. In case it wasn't clear, Paul says, whatever you do, everything that you do in your life, anything, whether you're working, playing, driving, or we had a little joke in our preaching team, if you're buying socks, whatever you're doing, do it all in the name of Jesus. Focused on Jesus, with Jesus at the center, and be thanks, give thanks to God. Friends, this is the vision that we have here at Crossview and here specifically at Crossview Rosa Parks for us to be a community that would live this way, that would put on these sorts of virtues, put on love and care for one another. But what I don't want to do is create another set of rules for you to follow. That's not what we're trying to do here. We want to point you to Jesus. And we think when you, when you look and focus on Jesus, you're going to want to shed some of those old things. And you're going to want to put on these new virtues. Because if we just put on a new set of rules, we're back to Colossians 2, verses 6 through 23. It's not helpful. So instead, we want to be rooted in Christ. Then these virtues will overflow out of the life focused and lived in Jesus. So I want to encourage you today to find ways to focus on Jesus. Anything and everything that you do, how can you bring Jesus, how can you include Jesus in that? And of course, we want to encourage you to continue to you know, read your Bible so you can get to know who Jesus is. Again, we're in Colossians. We've got a couple, uh, few weeks left here. You can read the whole thing in about 15, maybe 20 minutes. You could do that daily. There's a lot in that book about Jesus. You could start at the beginning of the Gospels and read through there as well. You can join a Bible study. We have a number of going on this summer. It's great where you can talk to one another about these, these things and help you meditate and think about them. You can pray. You don't just have to ask God for things. You can listen to God. We do that every morning on Sunday morning when we gather together. It's a great exercise for us to do. And it's okay if you don't hear anything specific. Sometimes it's just enough to be in God's presence. And then, of course, the second part of that, once you've spent time with Jesus and you've focused on Jesus, you've put Jesus at the center, then inviting others into that, sharing that with others is a big part of that. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Maybe you want to learn how to lead a small group. Maybe you want to invite somebody to church. Maybe you want to invite them to listen to a specific message that you were particularly impacted by. You can share your own experience. You can sing psalms. All of these things teach others about Jesus. 
It's part of sharing with others, and part of sharing with others is living out these virtues, being kind, being compassionate, forgiving as Christ forgave, and loving others. Can you grab, grab, grab my sack of clothes? So, as I mentioned at the beginning, I was uh, in the Boundary Waters with my family last week, and uh, we pack everything into these bags. And by the end of the week, the bag smells ridiculous. So if you would like, I can open this up after the service. And if you'd like to smell it, I will let you do that. But for most of you, I think you'll just trust me. It smells. So at the end of the week, I got out of the boundary waters, I ran straight to the shower, and I put on my new clothes. Friends, it was not a burden to put on my new clothes. It felt fantastic. To get rid of all of the grime, all of the slime, all of the dirt, and to put on those new clothes. And friends, that's the invitation for us as a community and as individuals to shed that evil, all of those things that are holding you down, and put on these new virtues, to put on love and care for one another. And I think if we do that as a community, we will be an attractive community that other people want to be a part of. We will spread the peace of Christ here in Mankato and around the world. And we will help people get connected to Jesus. So let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and his writings that help us to understand what it looks like for us to be a community that follows you and puts you at the center of our world. Help us to focus in on you to keep you at the center of our world and to let you rule over all of our decisions, our actions, our habits. Help us to put on these new things and, and encourage others to do that as well, to love one another, to put on these new clothes that you created to be so comfortable for us as individuals and as a community. Amen.